Morning. He is risen. Isn't this great? So there was a man and his five-year-old son. They were driving past the cemetery and there was a big pile of dirt beside a freshly dug grave and the boy looks at his dad and says, look dad, one got out. I think that the man would have just blown this off or tried to explain dead people don't get up, but today we celebrate one who did. There was a story told of an African Muslim American, or Christian, African Muslim Christian, and his friends asked, why have you become a Christian? And he answered, well, it's like this. Suppose you're driving down the road and you come to the fork in the road and you don't know which way to go. There's a live man and a dead man. Which one do you ask? Jesus is the one person who defeated the grave. He was buried and he came back to life and he walked out of the tomb defeating death's power. Today we celebrate this all-powerful Jesus who went through the agony and suffering of physical and spiritual death, death on our behalf for us because he loved us that much. And even though he died, death had no power over him. He is risen. This morning we want to celebrate Jesus together and I want to have opportunity for you to discuss a, a few things together about who he is and what he has done in, at your tables. So I'll ask some questions that'll prompt you in a little bit, but first I want to set the scene. So last week we talked about how Jesus had infinite power to stop the proceedings leading to his death at any moment, and yet he chose to continue on to restrain his power because he loved us that much. He wanted to obey the will of the Father, and the will of the Father was that we have opportunity to know him and to have life. So he went to the cross to pay the penalty our sins deserve. And as he was going to the cross, remaining in control, speaking the truth, one of his closest followers and friends, Peter, was denying Jesus, denying Jesus, denying Jesus. As Jesus predicted him, he would. Even though Peter had said a little while before, even if all fall away on account of you, I will never fall away. Jesus was tried. He was sentenced, he was crucified, and he was buried in a tomb on Friday. And on Sunday, the tomb was found empty. Jesus is alive. He made several appearances. And in between these appearances, Paul and, and six other, uh, or Peter and six other of, of Jesus' disciples were sitting around and like, what do we do? Well, I'm going fishing. Yeah, we'll go too. And so they go out and they're in the boat and Jesus appears on the shore and he throws some fish on the coals, on the fire, and, uh, and he calls out to them. And there's this miraculous catch of fish, and Peter realizes it's Jesus. He jumps into the water, and he, and he runs to Jesus, and they, they uh, eat breakfast. And then we get to verse 15 of John 21. So uh, we're gonna look at verse, 21 of, or verse 15 of John 21 briefly here. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? So this is where I want you to, around your tables or in your homes, I want you to 
discuss what do you think Peter or Jesus meant by more than these? They're standing around a fire. They've just eaten. There's a lot of big catch of fish, the disciples, the boats. He sweeps his arm. Do you love me more than these? Who is he? What is he referring to by these? There's a couple uh, questions. If you can throw those up on the screen. Um, So does he love him more than the fish and the boats or the other disciples or something else? What are the options and what do you think Jesus is referring to? So take a few minutes just to ponder that together around your tables. So, you've discussed what you think these are. You've uh, talked about what, it might, what he might be referring to. I want you to interact with us through that uh, menti.com that, you were, that Pastor Kevin introduced you to, so you can pull out your phones. Hopefully, there's at least one representative from each of your tables that was able to get onto there. And uh, so, we're going to pop up the Mentimeter question, and you're going to tell us what you think it is, and I gave you a third option. So if we can pop up the Mentimeter uh, question. Uh, so what does Jesus mean when he says, do you love me more than these? Does he mean he loved him more than the fish and the nets and the boats? Or does he love him more than the other disciples do? Or does, or he, does he, or the middle one, does he love him more than he loves the other disciples? So uh, just, it's not a right or wrong. It's just to say, what did you discuss? So let us know. That's interesting to see how your discussions went. So we seem to have more people thinking that he's talking about the fish and the nets and the boats, but we have answers on all three. So I think all three of these are good possibilities, actually. Uh, I think one of the main things that Jesus is getting at is the focus on Jesus. He wants Peter to be single-minded in his devotion to Jesus. And all of these would be distractions, any of these possibilities. So the fish and the nets and the boats are the things that Peter was used to. That was the way he lived for so many years before Jesus. They could easily distract Peter and draw him back to his old way of life, which would keep him from serving Jesus and following him. The other disciples, if, could be distractions as well because Peter has grown to love these other, these other people that are following Jesus. And God wants us to love, care for, serve, and follow, uh, help other people. But he also makes it clear that he needs to be first. Listen to Matthew 10, 37. Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. The point is that Jesus has to come first. Only when we're filled with his love, when his love overflows, are we able to really love the way that it's intended to be, the way, the way we can truly love someone is by being filled and overflowing with his love. And the third option, do you love me more than the other disciples do, is another distraction that Peter was definitely guilty of. In Matthew 26, 33, he said, even if all the other disciples fall away, I will never fall away. There's a pride there that he was better than the rest. 
that he was more courageous than the rest. And at the forefront of his mind now is that he had failed, that he had denied Jesus three times. So he's learned something in this process. And also, the, his past is a huge distraction, a potential distraction from following Jesus. For many of us, this is the hardest distraction. Whether it's something that's happened to us by someone or something we've done, we can easily think about those things and, and it keeps us from single-minded devotion to Jesus and what he's doing now. I imagine Peter felt like a failure. Jesus, uh, like Jesus couldn't use him anymore because he had failed so badly when he fell away and denied Jesus three times. Yet he really did love Jesus. Uh, check out the second part of verse 15 of John 21. Jesus asked, do you love me? He says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Before Jesus' death, if Jesus would have looked at Peter and asked him, do you love me more than the other disciples do? He would probably say, yes, I do, and so much more. I would be the first to die with you. But this time, there's humility. He's learned something. I imagine he dropped his eyes and kind of mumbled, yes, Lord, you, you know that I love you. And then Jesus responds at the end of verse 15. He says, Jesus said, feed my lambs. He doesn't tell Peter he's unworthy. He doesn't demand an apology or, a re or a repayment. He just tells Peter, feed my sheep. In verses 16 to 17, Jesus asks the same question. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Two more times he asks it. The second time, Peter responds the same as he did the first time. You know I love you. But the third time, he's hurt and he says, Lord, you know all things. You know I love you. So around your tables or in your homes, I want you to talk about what do you think is going on in these three verses, 15 to 17. Of all the questions Jesus could have asked, why did he ask, do you love me? Why didn't he ask, Peter, why'd you do it? Peter, did you learn your lesson? Why did he ask, do you love me? Or why does he tell Peter to feed my sheep? You can put those questions up as well. So, or uh, why does he ask the same thing three times? And why is Peter hurt the third time? So there's a lot of questions, a lot of options. You don't have to answer every one. Just talk about one or a few of these questions around your tables or in your homes. Okay, I'm sure you could talk about that a lot longer and I'll give you a little bit more time because we're gonna pop a Menti question up so you can interact on the screen. Um, so if you, if you can throw that up on the screen and answer that question, what was so important to Jesus about telling Peter to feed and take care of his sheep? You, can, you have 250 characters, you can write something, but uh, it'd be great for us to see what you're writing. So. If that is up on the screen, you can see what people are, are saying. These are, these are some great responses. So the sheep are the people of the world. He is a shepherd taking care of the world, and he's asking Peter to do so. I wonder if it's Jesus, because Jesus wanted him to know that Peter was still his, despite his denials, and God could still use him. He is reinstating, I think that's supposed to be reinstating Peter. 
He wanted Peter to continue his work, spread the message of Jesus to, wake, to my people, wake up sheeple. It's pretty good. <laughs> Jesus is the good shepherd, giving Peter responsibility to care for Jesus to followers. Sheep are everyone else, and he wants him to take care of them and show them Jesus' love. And I'm sure there's some more really good ones. So thank you. That's great. It's good to see some of the discussion that's happening. An interesting thing to notice is that in John 10, did John 10 come up at any of your tables? In John 10, Jesus describes himself as the good shepherd. He talks about how his sheep, that's why I like the sheeple one, the sheep are the people who've chosen to follow him. And so uh, the, the, the sheep know his voice and they follow him and they won't follow a stranger. When Jesus asks Peter, to feed his sheep and take care of them, he's giving Peter a significant role in his kingdom. Another thing to notice is that uh, something that's been on the screen both last week and this week and the graphic that we put in the bulletin for our series, the two-week series, does anybody remember what was on the screen? I heard it, I think. A fire, right? A fire was there. Uh, In John 18, John was warming himself by a fire. He was denying Jesus around a fire. In John 21, they've just eaten around the fire, and Jesus asks Peter three times, do you love me? It's like Jesus is showing him through his questions, through the setting, that it's not about Peter's failures. It's about Jesus' triumph. Jesus took the sin of the world upon himself through the ugliest death of crucifixion and he brought about salvation. He took this this torture device and made it into a beautiful symbol. And now he's taking three denials, one by one by one, and showing that with Jesus they can be turned into something beautiful, this great service and love. In the same way our past failures and our hurts can be turned into something beautiful if we respond to Jesus' love. He asks every one of us, do you love me? He doesn't ask how sorry we are. He doesn't tell us that we have to do this and that and the other thing. He asks, do you love me? Because he can use any of us if we say yes. He can turn great pain from from failure or hurt or our past into something beautiful if we respond in love to him. We're gonna take a moment to gather the band and, and to sing for a little bit and then we'll have one more time to, uh, to discuss something together. Uh, so let's stand and sing as the band gets ready here. So we've covered verses 15 through 17 of John 21. Jesus has taken Peter through the process of recognizing each denial, of facing the depth of what he had done, and helping him realize that in spite of his bitter failure, he still loves Jesus. Jesus has still forgiven him. Jesus still loves him. And Jesus still has a wonderful purpose for his life. He reinstates him, he commissions him to take care of his sheep, the church, the new community, 
that Jesus has been building. In verses 18 to 19, Jesus makes it clear that Peter will die a martyr's death. He has an amazing purpose, a full meaning of life, uh, full meaning to live for, but there will be suffering. Following Jesus involves suffering. Jesus doesn't pretend that it's all going to be easy and comfortable when we follow him. There will be suffering, but suffering can draw us closer to Jesus if we respond in devotion to him, focused on him. Or it can push us away if we let it become a distraction. If you read the letters that Peter wrote, First and Second Peter in our New Testament, First Peter, uh, he writes about how, how he rejoices in suffering. Peter learned how to rejoice in suffering. He welcomed it as a blessing that he could participate in suffering for Jesus. He was empowered by the Holy Spirit at that point, and he had been humbled, and he was ready. Verses 20 and 21 say, Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. Remember last week, if you were here, that we talked about how John, the author, does not refer to himself as John. He refers to himself as the other disciple or the disciple Jesus loved or the beloved. And so Peter turns and he sees John. This is the one who leaned back against Jesus at the supper and said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? So I want you to discuss around your tables or in your homes this last question. Uh, Why does Peter ask, Lord, what about him? So go ahead and discuss that for a little bit. All right, I'm going to ask the Mentimeter question to come up. And uh, this is a one or, make it a short little answer, but uh, the question is, using a one-word description, what, would, what are some of the reasons Peter might have asked Jesus about John? Lord, what about him? So put in some responses, and we'll watch those come up on the screen. So we got suspicious, insecurity, curiosity, punishment-focused, jealousy, put the blame on someone, uh, lazy, nosy, immaturity and they keep on coming that's great you can keep on throwing them up there but it's easy for us to look around at other people and wonder about their life and compare it to ourselves isn't it we compare so naturally with other people Sometimes it's jealousy, sometimes it's curiosity, some of the things that were up there, sometimes it's compassion. Peter looked over, he saw John standing nearby, and he asks, what about him? We may wonder why someone else's life is so much easier or harder than ours. Either we look and we're like, why don't they have to deal with what I do? Or why, why is it so difficult for them? We, we can make ourselves sick comparing to other people, either trying to keep up or because we feel guilty or many other reasons. Verse 22, Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Basically, Jesus is saying, that's none of your business. 
He's telling Peter not to compare what he's been asked to do with what John's been asked to do. He's not telling Peter they can't work together. He's not telling Peter that they shouldn't help each other or that they shouldn't care for each other or share with each other or serve each other. He's telling Peter that the task that he has for Peter is for Peter. And the task he has for John is for John. The important thing is that we look to Jesus for our task. Look to Jesus for what he wants us to do and obey what he tells us to do. Remain focused on him. Don't focus on other people and what they have to do and wonder why ours is different. It's between us and him. Peter is asked, do you love me? We are asked, do you love me? Peter is commanded, take care of my church. We are commanded, take care of my church. And we do that by listening to the prompting of the Holy Spirit and obeying. Jesus is risen. And he loves each one of us. He wants each one of us to accept his love, to accept his forgiveness, and be filled with his love and to share that love. Do you know him? If you don't know him, even now you can ask him to forgive you. And he will forgive you and he will welcome you into his family. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for Jesus. The more we learn about him, the more we want to know because he is so beautiful and wonderful and amazing. We pray that you would give us a deeper desire to know him, to be filled with his love, to focus on him and not each other to be willing to help and serve and love each other, but with your love that we get by focusing on you. Thank you for today and for Easter, the, what it represents, the risen Jesus, the foundation of our faith. We praise you in your name we pray, amen.